Welcome to What? It is your part documentary, part roundtable podcast with a sprinkling of competition. I'm your host, Ellie Main, and joining me every week, we have Chelsea Hartfouche. Chelsea, what's up? Not much. I'm here with my ASMR voice. I realize Ooh. that I think when I'm when I'm like physically tired, uh-huh. it's for some reason it manifests in like a fun little ASMR voice. Like a deep vocal fry. <laughs> A soothing. Yeah, it's just moment. like soothing and it's modic. Um, Connor and I were working all day on a catio for Mamba so that he oh can still gosh. go outside, but not roam. I mean, would like so his... cute. Yeah, like, so his roaming days can be over. Like, he's eight now. Oh. It's time to settle oh, down. Yeah. Doesn't he have his favorite cushion? Yeah, he has, well, you know, he has preferences. So, oh, well, there's big fish. Yeah, there's big fish, which will stay inside but we're gonna you know we're gonna plant like catnip the thing that I'm the most proud of that we came up with is we got one of those like sort of semi-transparent uh, like wave it's called like corrugated plastic like the wavy plastic yeah for the roof so that sunlight will still come in oh precious i know so i'm very excited about it and then we had to buy a table saw because we did realize after texting you that a, a circular saw would not work for what i we have, have a to funny do. story about that actually oh good i'd love to hear it so we okay. bought a table saw which was not cheap and then a like a special stand for it to stand on and then i had yeah. horrible flashbacks of do you remember when you and i built an adirondack Rondack chair like of years ago. Of course I remember that. How can I, I forget? A beautiful time and we were successful, which I think is a really important first part of the story. We were, oh, successful, we were absolutely successful. And we sustained no injuries. However, <laughs> at one point I did one very stupid thing uh, and almost very seriously injured myself. Uh, and the thing is, is that I can't 100% remember what it was, but I remember what <laughs> happened and I remember that it was with a table saw, like with a miter saw. And uh-huh. what I remember remember happening was knowing that I wasn't supposed to do this thing and then being like it'll be all right and then doing this thing and then having a small pointed piece of wood fly at breakneck speed towards my chest and I like (laughs) dodged it and then I was like oh if that if that had hit me it would have like penetrated my chest and I would have died um and so I was like Connor that's some final destination shit yeah I was like Connor there's something we absolutely cannot do with this miter saw (laughs) but I don't remember what it is And then (laughs) we really like worked ourselves up into a panic trying to figure out what that was. And then I had to call my stepmom and be like, can you cut a little piece of wood with a miter saw? So what I think I did, and I know this is like shop talk that nobody asked for. What I think I did all those years ago is I think I had one very small piece of wood that I couldn't hold on either side. Uh Uh-huh. And so when the when I took this the very powerful saw and tried to just like put it in the small piece of wood that was not held down on either side, it was just like, oh, I fly. Like I'm now hit with like <laughs> really right. fast metal and I fly. Which is like, I think that you can cut small pieces off of a big piece of wood if that big piece of wood is held down. But mm-hmm. you can't just cut a small piece of wood that's not held down in any way. That's Correct. what I think. But I anyway, think that's someday right. Mamba will have a catio. <laughs> so Chelsea and Connor asked to borrow our circuit saw and Miles said yes and then um, he totally forgot what what they were doing and what day they were doing and he (laughs) said that Steve could come over and use the circular saw and so Steve comes over and Miles doesn't realize that when you get a circular saw it's like just the machine and there aren't any blades (laughs) so Steve couldn't use it either oh no well, we now have a very fancy miter saw with a miter saw portable table if you guys ever want to use that. Fantastic. <laughs> and not to brag, but we do also have a blade for it. <laughs> but 
but we're also both too scared to use it and have not yet used it. <laughs> so in a way, we're kind of in the same position. Yeah, so if you think about it, it is actually kind of the same. Like it's a real, um, what's it called? Like Wizard of Oz situation where it's like, oh, if I only had courage and you're like, oh, if I only had a blade, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's exactly like that. <laughs> That's actually like, that works too well. Ellie, do you, I heard you have a reveal. I do have a reveal. I'm so excited. So yes, okay. I sat my ass down this morning <laughs> and I listened. Well, you know, I didn't listen to all of them. That would be insane. I scrubbed through to the appropriate moments mm-hmm. and I, I counted up all the scores so far in this season because I promised that I would. Yeah. I'm a woman of my word. She promised. <laughs> it was very funny, like just getting snippets of our conversations. Oh, and I did it. I, not to brag, but I had a moment. And I was like, oh, I think our podcast is quite good, actually, <laughs> which was very nice. So anyway, but my reveal is going to be the score. But before I reveal the score, uh-huh. let's remind the folks at home what's on the line here, <laughs> what's at stake. Oh, absolutely. Oh, do you well, want me to then. do it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. You were just like so in a space that I was like, I was here for you. I was going for it. I was nodding over here on my side of the recording. Like, yeah, let's hear it. To be fair, I didn't specify that I wanted you to do it. I was like hoping that I had thrown an energy, but I think I, I think I missed. Oh, it's okay. You probably did throw it. I didn't receive it because when you said that you were listening to our podcast and thinking about how we make a good podcast, I was thinking about the absolutely like psychotic narcissistic thing that I do sometimes, which is go through like our group chats and be like god we're really funny <laughs> like, that's really good sometimes well i don't do it for that sole purpose like if i'm looking for like a photo that like you know i know somebody sent or something or like a link yeah. and then i'm like oh, we're like really funny i bet nobody else has like a group friend chat like this where they're funny <laughs> with their friends i bet nobody like joshes around like this with their friends it's just well, us. It's, the same, it's the same reason no one else started a podcast yeah, no, but nobody else in their early 30s has started a podcast with their friends anyway what's at stake is there's you know there's points and we each get a certain amount of points and at the end of the year which is also the end of the season whoever has the most points gets to design a tattoo for the person who did not have the most points (laughs) but they then get tattooed on their body for forever (sighs) forever for forever yeah which is horrifying terrifying oh i think it's great bone chilling no (laughs) good and strong Anywho the how, I did some math, which was okay. tough. I can't wait. I, if I could give like an, a medal out in terms of like what participation, Skelka, Celia has the best points <laughs> of Aww. all of the guests on the show. You mean as in like she's the best at giving points? Yeah. Yeah. The ca- okay. like, like just the things that she writes down, the categories that she comes up with are so funny because I was listening to the, obviously listening to the points. And yeah. There's a part where she says when she, <laughs> when we were talking about the, the skin books, she said, I too would like to hold that in my hand <laughs> it was very funny um, even if we do say so ourselves okay, I'll be so sure to let her know the points the drum points. roll please I am trailing behind at a crisp and even 150 points that was pleasing let me tell you after all the little mental maths oh Okay, for a second, I felt a little horrified. I thought you meant that you were trailing by 150 points. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. No, no, no. I'm at, you know, I think that we could probably call it at that point. (laughs) I'm at 150 points. Okay. And you are at 157. (gasps) 
Oh my God, it's so close. This... It's so close. Despite some insane points giving during this season. I fuck with that. Yeah. I like that it's that close. I'm feeling invigorated. Like we're we're in Q2 now. I'm fucking like ready to rock and roll. We're in Q2 in this podcast. Are we going to assess our goals? Are we going to do some performance yeah. reviews? Do you want to do rows and thorns real quick? Oh my God. You know what? <laughs> fucking hell. No. <laughs> No, so that's a no. So I'm hearing that's no. An, you know what? I'm no. I don't want to do that. I'm good. <laughs> I don't actually want to do that. What's the name of your topic? Okay, it's a good one this time. Are you ready? Uh-huh. The bear claw and the crustacean. The bear claw and the crustacean. Yes. First thing that comes to mind, don't know why, Disney movie. Absolutely not. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> ideal. Um, is it the name of a pub? No, but that would be very cool if it were. Isn't that quite a good guess, I think? I think it was. Or a nightclub? No? Nothing like that? Not a nightclub. Not a place. Not an establishment. Um, I mean, hmm. I would encourage you to think more about those things individually. A bear claw and a crustacean. Okay. <laughs> Um, but, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I think you're gonna be. It's totally okay if you don't get it. Obvious as it always is, but <laughs> I think you're gonna be so excited when it becomes clear. Am I gonna feel a little bit, a little bit stupid? Probably not. not I think you're just gonna bit? be excited to like, okay, realize it. It's because I've done the work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm confident in myself. Oh, good. Okay. What's your title? Dude, I'm in a space. Um, <laughs> I'm in a mood and I'm enjoying it. My title. Good. And I'm also, I'm very proud of it. Yes. All is fair in ice and war. Is it about Game of Thrones and how they fucked the ending? <laughs> how they really well, shit the bed on that last season? You know it would be, but you've said all that needs to be said. Okay, good. <laughs> it's more of a fact bang. <laughs> <laughs> Fact bang. They really shit Fact the bang. bed. They the- really shit the bed at the end of Game of Thrones, man. <laughs> they really did. And it's because they were chasing, what was it, that Netflix deal that is now, uh, has given them nothing. Because yes. they had a terrible fucking, did you know that they were pitching, I'm sorry, this is my fact bang. Did you know that they were pitching <laughs> a show about, like, a an alternate reality where, like, the South won the Civil War and you just, like, still had slaves? <laughs> and God. they were like, oh, us, the two white dudes who made Game of Thrones, we are really the people to be making this show. It was going to be called Confederate. No. Yeah. And then luckily, somebody at some point was like, ooh, no, actually. Oh, actually? No. Actually, no. <laughs> anyway, so that's what they were. They were real busy building that pitch deck for fucking Confederate when they should have been making season eight of Game of Thrones. I see. You yeah. just got Gross. banged. Fast style. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Buy me dinner first. Jeez. All fair in ice and war. Is it about is it about how ice used to be like a commodity? Um no no. No. Is is it about ice road truckers? (laughs) No. A job that I can't believe you haven't thought that you wanted to do yet. <laughs> well, you know, ice road truckers are like the pirates of modern times. Holy fuck. Do you know about ice road truckers? They have their own show called Ice Road Truckers. Write it down. Present okay, it to me I will, next week. I will, I will. I won't go too far. Is it about, okay, somebody in our Patreon chat had a good guess. Is it about Viking Wars? Ooh. No, it's not. It's fair in ice and war. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it, but it might be a little bit um, snooty. 
<laughs> is it about ICE, the uh, the immigration agency? <gasps> no. That <sighs> would be a title. Well, it would have been sneaky. It would have been pretty sneaky, sis. It's already, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a wee bit sneaky. Oh my God, I cannot wait. So let's talk about it. We're going to go. Do not text me while I am recording a podcast. A podcast. How dare someone. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Picture this. I will. You're Eleanor Maine. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where that got me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And you're hungry. So so you look around for options and you spot the cutest little pastry truck you ever saw. It's like... I know. It's like, uh, it's kind of like, if you've been to like those vintage shops that are just like a truck or a bus and you walk in Uh and it's like uh real little, uh, but you can kind of pick out everything. (laughs) Uh It's like that. So you're in this little truck and you're like, this is so cute. Uh, And all around you is every kind of pastry you could imagine. I'm talking cakes, croissants. I'm talking biscuits. I'm talking- Pain chocolat? Yeah, a pain de chocolat. A pie, a cake, sandwiches. If anything, if it involves baking in some way, savory or sweet, it is here. And it's just, it's like, I don't know, like something out of like a Ghibli movie. Like it's just heaps and heaps of every kind of pastry that you could imagine. My brain was going like Wes Anderson. Well, you quickly notice that something that's really interesting about this is that unlike a traditional pastry shop that you might have gone to in the States or in the UK, there's no pastry counter where you're pointing at stuff. And also these pastries are not individually wrapped. They're just out there and you're just grabbing everything that you want and putting it in your basket. And you're like, okay, I don't really know. Sweet. Yeah. You're like, I don't really know how this is going to work. Maybe it's like by, maybe it's by weight. Like it's by the pound. I'm just going to put it all on there. Maybe, you know, there's just some sort of like savant baker who's going to come out and be like 3450. And like, that's just going to be it. But that's not Uh what happens because you take all of your things. Let's just like, just to really like drive home the exercise. What would you get if you were like, you could get like three pastries. And you're like, anything in the world, what would you get? I would get pan au chocolat for sure. My, my favorite. Yeah. Mm, delicious. Whatever favorite. I'd get some profiteroles. Okay. And whew, baking for and like anything baking. Anything. It can, be, it can be savory. It can be a sandwich. It can be anything. Like a big gooey chocolate chip cookie. Okay. So you take your pan au chocolat, your profiteroles, and your chocolate chip cookie, and you go up yes. to the register. And okay. the cashier behind the register doesn't even look at what's in your, in your basket. She takes the first thing that she grabs, <laughs> let's say it's the cookie, and she uh-huh. puts it on this big glowing rectangle. And suddenly the rectangle lights up and a screen next to you comes to life and you see an image of your cookie and then you see all these shapes starting to like circle around your cookie big green and yellow squares and rectangles and you realize that this screen is trying to make sense of your cookie and it does and just like magic it's like chocolate chip cookie comma giant 350 (laughs) 
and you move on <laughs> and everything goes like that. And you realize that this this pastry truck that you're in is entirely automated. And that's why oh. absolutely nothing has a barcode or a price tag. It is all done through this rectangular box and this screen. Okay. Now, Eleanor Maine, you are not in the future. You are not in <gasps> cyberpunk, if you will. No. You're not in Night City. That's right. I played that game. I'm still playing that <laughs> game. It's pathetic. You're in Tokyo right now. Right now? Right now. Because this AI exists and it's doing something that seems so simple, but is actually one of the hardest things for us to teach computers how to do, which is it's seeing. Now, if you think about it, the way that your brain sees is one of the most complicated things that you do. Oh, like, it's mad. Right? Because you're just, you're looking around and you're processing things in layers. So your first layer might be just like the biggest shapes or just like light and shadow of like, here's a big dark thing in front of me and there's a smaller white thing behind it and I'm in a big red room that encompasses all of these things. And then uh-huh. after that, you start to put together these layers that are based on not just... You're making my eyes itch. I'm sorry. Not just composition. It's not just color and shape anymore, right? It's like, I know that this isn't just a laptop that I'm looking at. This is my laptop from work, right? Yeah. And these, all these buttons are apps and I know what each of the apps do. So those are more and more complex layers of neurons firing, connecting sense and memory and context clues and a wealth of just learning that I've done over the course of my life to be able to see these things and interpret just basically a series of abstract shapes and colors mm-hmm. and, and know what they all are instantaneously. That's what my human brain can do. A computer can't do that. Even this technology I'm talking about right now can't truly do yeah. that. It can only input the information it's given and hopefully come back with the right answer. Right. But the way that most apps that that approximate seeing, unlike this bakery app that we're going to talk about in a second, most of them use something called deep learning. And okay. deep learning is at this point in time, our best approximation of what I was just describing, the way that you can see. Mm -hmm. And it takes tens to dozens of programmers, if not more, hundreds of thousands of hours just to create a single deep learning program that can only do like a fair approximation of human brain sight. So insane. It is. So in fact, it's something, are you ready to hear something absolutely awful that I learned while researching this? Yep. So, you know, CAPTCHAs, you know, the robot test? Yeah. It's not just for robot testing. It's true that CAPTCHAs, you know, can detect a robot because it asks you to identify, say, like a bunch of fire hydrants or crosswalks. uh, And supposedly a robot can't do that. Well, the rest of the equation is a robot can't do that yet. But every time you or I or anybody else completes a CAPTCHA for Google or Apple or any other big tech firm, we are participating in their deep learning process. <gasps> we are teaching their AI how to they're better... They're outsourcing They're outsourcing the programming. It. The CAPTCHA is an outsourcing of deep learning protocols. So every time you complete a CAPTCHA, you're helping that company's deep learning get better at recognizing... That's why, if you ever wondered why so many of them are street-based, it's for driverless cars. Self-driving cars. Oh my God! Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? If you're designing a driverless car system... You need your car to, quote unquote, see. 
But what it's all it's going to see is a bunch of shapes and colors. It has no context for any of those things the way a human brain right. does. So it, it just has sees to, it's data, right? Yeah, it has to be able to understand a human being in a red shirt is different from a red fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah. teaching it how to do that. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> so so that's deep learning. Like I said, it takes some, again, in that case, millions of people, many years, just to be able to simulate the equivalent of maybe like a two or three year old child when it comes to understanding. But this bakery <sighs> scan that I was just describing, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't use deep learning. And the reason it doesn't use deep learning is because it was designed way before deep learning was even on the market or, you know, I guess a big part of coding. Uh, uh-huh. Bakery scan was created by Hisashi Kambe, who's the founder of a small kind of boutique code. Uh, programming company in Japan. Uh-huh. He started in the 80s when computers were, you know, big old boxes. And his first job was trying to help one of the biggest industries in his small Japanese city, which was textile weaving. So at that time in the 80s, textile weaving was done using these physical cards that looked like they had a, a pattern on them that was kind of like sheet music. Uh-huh. And it meant that like if even one thing got damaged on that card or say that there was like a speck that was wrong, um, like that got on the card and made it kind of dirty, that could make every single piece of fabric that was loomed on that machine wrong for no. like for days or even weeks before somebody caught it. So he was like, what if we made this automated? And everyone's like, it's the 80s. What the fuck are you talking about? And he created, <laughs> <How dare you? laughs> he created this computer program that he basically did it by himself that would allow textile designers to uh, basically create almost almost like a cross stitch pattern Uh to say what colors go where and then a computer controls the loom and it saved all these textile industries you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in mistakes and due to that he was able to build kind of like this successful boutique business for like two decades he other projects that he worked on included figuring out kind of like the first like on-screen graphics for tv in his part of Japan in like the early 90s. Awesome. Also figure out how to put kanji, which is one of the ways to write Japanese text uh, using Chinese characters, so like those kind of like bigger, more complex characters, how to put those on a computer since they're obviously they're more complicated than like a Cyrillic alphabet. Yeah. And then in the early to mid aughts, like 2006, 2007-esque, he got what would end up being his biggest project yet, which was... A big food company he had been working with was going to venture out into bakeries uh, because Mm. bakeries were becoming really trendy in Japan. But here's the thing. Bread is not a traditional staple of Japanese cuisine. It's an import. Originally, the first time it came into Japan was from Portugal. That's why it's still called pan, like the Portuguese word for bread. And it means that the way that the Japanese purchase bread or think about baked goods is very much in this like, it's a treat, it's a delicacy. And it's like it's usually like candy. Sweet. It's not a staple the way that I guess like West like some of our like cuisines think of bread as being. So right. this bakery company that was gonna start expanding bakeries all over Japan, they hired a market analyst to figure out how were they gonna be able to sell the most baked goods. And they figured out two big things. One is that Japanese consumers like variety. They found a bakery that had a hundred items sold twice as much as one selling 30 items. So just like having wow. this big like smorgasbord of opportunity of food opportunity was a big part of it the Mm -hmm. second thing is that uh for whatever reason japanese consumers associated unwrapped pastries with being fresher than 
like individually wrapped pastries. So that was okay. the that was the market researchers thing. They were like, okay, so you're gonna want to have a million pastries and they need to all be unwrapped. Money, please. <laughs> and they Money were like, please. oh shit, this sounds really fucking complicated. If we don't have like individual wrapping, then the cashiers will have to know what every single one of these hundreds of pastries might be. They have to know, you know, a croissant from a kunaman, from a pond de chocolat, from a bear claw. Uh, uh, uh-huh. They'd have to know what they all were. They'd have to be able to recognize them on site and they'd have to know their price. And it could mean really, really long lines, which means selling less. So uh-huh. they went to Kambe and they were like, can you create Can you create a software that would do this for us? And Kambe being, a, you know, a relatively modest computer programmer with a small boutique company in mm-hmm. the middle of Japan in like 2005 was like, oh, this thing that literally no other tech company has been able to figure out absolutely i can yes i can and he did which i mean i guess i already <laughs> kind of spoiled that he did it but it's fucking crazy when you think it's amazing. about it it's amazing because there's two so there's two big problems that they came up with right at the beginning the first would be similarity among different kinds so like mm-hmm. if you think about again like as human beings like i can look at like a pan au chocolat and a dinner roll and a kolache and i know that those are all different things but to a computer those that's all round brown bread right it's round and it's brown and it's roughly the same size <laughs> like, like it's right. lady it's bread and so so that was the first issue is they made this um they made this program and the program was like oh i know what that is it's bread and they were like fuck and that then, sure is bread and then got it bread <laughs> the second maybe even more complicated problem that they had to solve was difference among same kinds so they're already trying to work on like these minute differences between say like like i said like a, a dinner roll and a kolache but what mm-hmm. about like a kolache at 7 a.m. versus kolache at 4 p.m. that's been sitting out that whole time. Or a glazed donut with fresh glaze that's like white and like crisp at 7 a.m. versus a day-old donut that maybe has turned like a little bit silvery gray. Or what about one that has like a piece ripped off of the corner because it's been manhandled? Or what about a day where it's rainy instead of sunny and now all the shadows are casting different across the surface of the pastry? That's difference among same kinds and And again, a human child can do it, but a computer absolutely cannot. Or so they thought. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing that they did that solved a big part of both problems was the backlight. So remember when I mentioned that glowing rectangle that you place your pen de chocolate on? That Uh glowing rectangle lights from behind and it eliminates like almost all shadows. And it also creates a harsh outline for every single thing. And after that, it became much easier to teach the computer how to differentiate between various pastries when they had this very, very harsh line outline that they could all identify. Yeah. After that, it was a matter of having a team of about a dozen programmers work for about six years to go in and just individually teach this computer all these pastries. So unlike a deep learning program, which most programmers, they describe it as being kind of opaque. Like Uh you can't just look at the code and be like, oh, I see there's the cookie right there. And like line 355. Uh, The point of deep learning is for it to learn on its own. So it it starts to create its own layers of code that are just basically inaccessible to a programmer. Whereas Mm -hmm. bakery scan was created 
by a small team over many years using a lot of kind of idiosyncratic ideas and techniques like as they came to them. So it has this almost like, as far as code goes, has like a handcrafted feel. Mm -hmm. It launched in 2013. It costs about $20,000 to put in your bakery. (laughs) In Japan, it has a little cartoon mascot. Remember when we did the whole episode of Japanese mascots? Yes. Well, Bakery Skin has its own mascot. It has big googly eyes and big gloved hands and it just points at all the different pastries. Yes. King. (laughs) The other really cool thing is that it does have a feedback learning mechanism similar to deep learning that they implemented after it came out, which is that if Bakery Scan is unsure about what a pastry might be, instead of drawing a big green outline around it, it draws a yellow outline and then it gives the cashier three or four options. It's just like, I'm not sure. It's one of these like Uh four things. The cashier then correctly identifies it using it's using their human brain and then <laughs> and then the bakery skin gets better and yeah. it knows ah does a little capture it just does a little capture so a bunch of people saw these ads with this cute googly-eyed mascot and were like wow that bakery scan is really cool and one person even thought you know the cool thing about bakery scan like says like unlike deep learning which is really when you create a deep learning program it is very specific to whatever domain you created it in so like for example we're talking about the captions if you're trying to teach a program how to drive a car you're going to create layers upon layers of inaccessible code about how to drive a car and that's really it. Whereas mm-hmm. this sort of hand-spun nature of Bakery Scan meant that it could be translated as a whole into a number of different domains, which obviously a lot of companies in Japan were interested in. Yeah. They wanted it for being able to scan um, like road signs or like warning mm-hmm. signs. But maybe the coolest thing that Bakery Scan has been translated into is a program for detecting cancer cells. Ah. The crustacean. So uh, it's called Cyto eye scan and it was first thought up by a doctor working in Japan and he said I wonder if this bakery software could be used to look at an entire slide of a patient's blood or urine or saliva and just be able to pick out any potential not just cancer cells but potentially cancerous cells and it turns out it's super can Uh, it's now being used in two major hospitals one in Kobe and one in Kyoto and what's really cool about it is is that like, again, like nothing that we have created so far can replace a human mind. So you'll always want right. to have a doctor coming in and checking these things. But when you have a program like Saito Scan, like imagine in a world where every time a patient has any kind of like sample drawn, a blood or a urine or a saliva sample, mm-hmm. for basically no money, you can just also put that sample into this program that you've already, that you've paid for one time. And yeah. it can detect precancerous cells like that. That's amazing. You don't have to have a doctor going through every single slide, which like we we would never have enough doctors or enough time to do that. But you right. can do it for every patient in no time. That's some science fiction shit. Well, that's the reality that Kambe and these doctors in Kyoto are hoping is not like 50 years in the future, but is in like two or three years in the future. And we'll be able to detect cancer in people before it's even cancer, which could be really that's the difference amazing. between life and death for a 
lot of, you know, for hundreds and thousands of people. And I mean, as somebody who has lost like more than one family member to cancer, it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thought. And it's also, I just love this story because he's like this kind of unassuming computer programmer who got a really cool job and was just like, yeah, you know, I think I could do this. And now it's grown into this huge thing. Not only is it very cool in the bakery world, but it has basically limitless applications because he designed it himself as opposed to not that deep learning isn't cool. It has its own place, but it doesn't have the limitations of deep learning. So it can be applied to all these new things. Yeah. And then now the latest one is it could potentially lead to a huge breakthrough and overhaul in how we detect and treat cancer. That is so freaking cool. (laughs) So that's my story. Dude, are you kidding? That's so awesome. Okay. So um, I I first heard about this from a Twitter account that I love that I follow called Dudes Posting Their W's. And it's just (laughs) people like posting their wins on Twitter. And then somebody had posted about this on Twitter and it got reposted on Dudes Posting Their W's. And then I tracked it down to this really excellent bit of reporting in The New Yorker by James Summers. It just, or it didn't just come out, I guess, but it came out this year. So I'm going to link that article since I got most of my information from this article and then every other article I found was referencing this article by James Summers. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to link that article in uh, in the show notes if you want to read it. I highly suggest it. It's really good. Hell yeah, dude. I'd love that. Can I give you points? Yes, please. Okay, so retroactive points, I guess, for like the title. So good. What a great reveal. I'm going to start off with a plus three there. Oh my God, I never get points for title. I'm so excited. <laughs> you scared me about my brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, brains be weird i've both written you've scared me about my brain and wow the human brain is incredible and there was a both it was a minus seven and then a plus seven so that sort of equals itself out and then i've written whoa dude in the 80s and i guess and i guess that's about creating this software so that's plus three <laughs> i really enjoyed the little fact that that's why bread is called pan in japan because of it came from portugal that's awesome plus I three isn't that fun that's very fun all uh, right so how many I've is written, that well no i've got it don't worry i've done it i've done it okay this time. she's done it now <laughs> I've put eliminates all shadows. Cool. Plus two. <laughs> and then cancer treatment plus 10. Come on. So. I mean, come on. It's, I know. It's low hanging fruit, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> So uh, that's 21 points, dude. Holy shit. I know, which puts you at 178. All right, let's talk about this ice and war. I'm so excited. All is fair in ice and war. Yes. We're going to travel around a little bit, but not too much. So according to the Centers for Disease Control, our new favorite friends, about 99,000 Americans die each year from the 1.7 million infections they pick up during hospital stays, right? Uh Uh-huh. You know about this. I know someone recently who died because of that. That sucks. Yeah. I hate that. That sucks. Did you know that one of the major sources of this, though, is ice machines? What? Yeah. Ice machines are notoriously... (laughs) They are notoriously filthy. In a study in 2006, a Florida 7th grader showed that... A Florida 7th grader showed that the ice at a local fast food restaurant had more bacteria than the water in their toilets. Oh, okay. This is going to make me a little ill. Well, we're moving away from that pretty fast. Okay, good. (laughs) You may be pleased to hear, in fact, that a man named Robert 
Amblad has invented a machine that reliably puts out bacteria-free ice. Using a forced air technology that clean rooms employ, his machine essentially makes ice from bottled water without allowing any contaminants in it. And, I mean, my goodness, you should be able to grasp how important this technology could turn out to be. Mm -hmm. So for years, Armblad had been developing his machine, and after perfecting it, he spent a few years meeting with billion-dollar companies, trying to interest them in building copies of the machine for themselves. This guy's an inventor, by the way. He invented the key-cutting machine that you'll see in every Home Depot or HEB or regional grocery store. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, he invents. Usually it's big kind of um, automated machinery for restaurants, fast food restaurants, or things, you know, things like a cutting machine for Home Depot. And this was his latest thing, this clean ice machine. So he was meeting with these billion dollar companies, trying to interest them in building copies of the machine for themselves. However, the reason that this machine has never been sold was because employees of the Church of Scientology have been going to extraordinary lengths to keep Armblad from marketing his machine, traveling around the country to frighten businesses out of dealing with him and bursting in on business meetings to scare people out of working with him. What? 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 Yeah. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> so Armblad was a Scientologist for about 45 years. There it is. He was deeply in the church and left peacefully under the uh, kind of normal way. There's like a legitimate way to leave the church or then, or you like Leah Remini the church. Right. But what Armblad did was that he employed a man named Mike Rinder, who used to be one of the highest ranking executives in Scientology, but then left and is now very critical of the church publicly. And just for employing Rinder, Armblad's business was targeted for utter ruination. That's fucking insane because a man dares to criticize a church that church is now trying to prevent the world from getting life-saving technology simply as a form of revenge but let me back up a little bit Ugh. and tell you <laughs> i know i know let me back up a little bit and yeah, tell you back about, up yeah just, keep so going just keep going get the full understanding of how insane the situation is if anyone listening doesn't know very briefly scientology is a set of beliefs and practices invented by an american author l ron hubbard an associated movement of that it's been defined as a cult, a business, a new religious movement. I would probably argue that it's all three of those things. L. Ron Hubbard developed a set of ideas which he represented as a form of therapy that he called Dianetics, and he sold those books through the Dianetic Research Foundation that he founded. He then got bankrupt, and so then he recategorized the subject as a religion and named it Scientology, and retained these sort of terminology doctrines in the practice of auditing, which, very, very briefly, (laughs) because there's like, there's so much... Scientology followers believe that a human is an immortal spiritual being called a thetan that's resident in a physical body, That, but this thetan has had innumerable alien past lives and as a result of this extraterrestrial life form called Xenu, who was a ruler of a confederation of planets 70 million years ago and brought well, billions naturally. of alien beings to Earth, killed them with thermonuclear weapons. And so getting back to and and going through all these past lives is with an aim of re- achieving the state known as getting or going clear. That's <laughs> an extremely quick and rough breakdown of what Scientology is. I know, and you're not supposed to know any of that, so can't wait for them to come and try to absolutely ruin this podcast (laughs) and my life and your life another important thing that you need to know is how and why the church of scientology achieved tax-exempt status essentially through something called the fair game policy all is fair in ice and war oh i see okay wow i did not know it was gonna go to scientology (laughs) 
I know. If anyone is to speak out against Scientology, then they, the fair game policy instructs members of Scientology, members of the church, to conduct what they call a noisy investigation where they do everything possible to ruin someone's life. And they did this to the IRS. That's how they became <laughs> tax exempt. <laughs> That's the funny. Okay. I am no fan of Scientology at all. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life of just like, yeah, no, uh, we bullied and annoyed the IRS into yes. like the IRS n- most famous for bullying and annoying people. Everyone else. Paying them money. Everyone they, else on the planet. It took oh 25 God. years. 25 years of hiring private investigators to dig into the private lives of IRS officials, to conduct surveillance operations, to uncover any potential vulnerability, interviewing tenants in buildings owned by IRS officials, looking for code violations, getting jobs at the IRS and stealing documents from conferences and sending them back to the church, writing negative articles like after 25 years essentially irs agents had branded scientology a commercial enterprise and refused to give it tax exemption which was granted to other churches Mm -hmm. and these refusals had been upheld in every court but after 25 years of fair game policy the scientology crowd was addressed by david miscavige their leader He declared the war is over and that the IRS had granted tax exemptions to every Scientology Uh entity in the United States. Tax exemptions being (laughs) uh, just absolutely exponentially increasing the wealth of the Church of Scientology. Yeah, exponentially, right? If they don't have to pay taxes. Insanely, yes, absolutely. And so there are countless examples of fair game, this notorious policy of retaliation against enemies. But Robert Armbland appears to be some of the worst, most vicious, reprehensible activity by the church since the 1970s when it actually tried to get people killed and imprisoned. They kind of backed off that after people got a bit pissed off about it. And this does affect you, right? This, This affects anyone or anyone who's ever known someone who's gone to a hospital and doesn't want to get a life-threatening infection from the ice machines. <laughs> but a little bit about Robert Armbland. He has this lengthy history with Scientology. He joined in 1972, worked for a year on staff with L. Ron Hubbard, like the actual dude, and was the a regular dude. the actual dude, and was a regular non-staff parishioner or what they call a public until about 2007. That's a total of 35 years in the organization. And about the same time that he left Scientology using this the formal process by which you can leave the church and go get a job, which is essentially, you know, you have to sign a bunch of documents saying that you they never did anything bad and that nothing violent ever happened and that you were never taken advantage of and that you would attest to that in court and you have to sign all this stuff if you ever want to actually leave the church in a peaceful way. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's normal. So a lot of people escape rather than going through that process. So Armbland and Mike mm-hmm. Rinder left the church at the same time. Mike Rinder had a very different career in the church. He was an Australian and he was only about five when his parents brought him into Scientology, which is sad. So he rose through its ranks and by his early 20s, he was helping the church deal with negative publicity by replacing its notorious guardian's office with a new covert operations wing. He basically created like the SAS of Scientology called the Office of Special Affairs. 
And that's and that's normal for a church. Like that's normal for religion. Super normal for a church. Yeah. Oh yeah, for real. Yeah, definitely. He eventually became Scientology's chief spokesman and worked really closely with the church leader David Miscavige until he left in 2007. And then he went public in 2009 with these allegations that Miscavige got violent with him and other employees. And that's like not really new news. <laughs> Many people who've left the church have spoken out against the violence and the uh, abuse and the intimidation from particularly from David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology. Mm-hmm. But even though Armbland left without speaking out against the church and, and, and left very quietly in the right way, in, you know, in quotation marks, the very fact that he gave Mike Rinder a job enacted the fair game onslaught against him. Oh, God. Mike warned him that if he was like... Mike Mike Rinder was like, you know, if you, this is what's going to happen. But neither of them were ever prepared for the actual level of the church activity that followed. So private investigators showed up at his house and knocked on the door, said he wanted to talk to him about Mike Rinder. And as soon as this was the very first moment, and Armbland says, I don't know, I don't have anything to say to you, and I told him to go away. Then he realized he was being followed constantly by a private eye. People would, like, cameramen would follow him everywhere, taking pictures of him. Two vehicles would follow him everywhere to his job, to restaurants, anywhere he was going. And they would often accost him in the lobby and try and ask him questions. Essentially, just try try and make a scene to make everybody else think, wow, who's this guy? What's he done? What's going on? Yeah, who's this asshole? Yeah, wow. They would say, have you committed any crimes? They would knock on the door of all his neighbors and ask them, have you, what what crimes have you seen him commit? Have you seen anything unusual happening at the house? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, you and I are no stranger to people who work against their own self-interest or like common sense because they've just bought so deeply into something. There's no going back. But just when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, how do you like, how do you do that for like two or three hours out of your day? Like go like follow some dude around and make a big scene in like a cheesecake factory and then just go look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I nailed it. Great. I got fucking nailed (laughs) it. That was fucking awesome, man. That was so cool. What a it wasn't a weird fucking use of my time at all. They turned up to his office and sawed down four mature oak trees that were in front so that they could take oh, better pictures. Like take that better makes pictures. Me really and- sad. Yeah, it's really fucked up and mean. Oh. He goes so a-, a couple of times he like went to talk to them. He'd go out and ask them what they were doing, and they would say stuff like they were like surveillance cameras repairing computers or something. They rented the office next to him. Just like all these insane intimidation and abusive tactics just to just to ruin his life because he gave Mike Rinder a job. And that's regular. That's normal. And that's, and that's just regular. In Leah Remini's series about Scientology and the aftermath, uh, there's an interview between Armbland and Mike Rinder where both of them get really emotional because Mike Rinder's like, despite everything that this man has gone through, essentially the ruination of him and his career and his career as an inventor, he never ever wavered on supporting me because Scientology were offering him money to fire Mike Grinder. And then to like uh, attest to the church that he would never go against them again. He never ever wavered on anything like accepting it. He always supported Mike Grinder and they had this like really sweet old man hug and I love it. That's um, so sad. I know. He noticed that anyone who now came to visit his lab to see the ice machine was very shortly afterwards paid a visit by the Scientology's private eyes because they were watching, the, like, recording the number plates and stuff. And so he had to start arranging meetings in secrecy. But then obviously big companies are like, what the fuck is happening? And, you know, he's just trying to get his clean ice machine sold so he can, you know, save lives and stuff. 
Yeah. What did they say to like these businesses? Like it's like he goes and is like, hey, I have this great invention for your eyes. Clean ice. Congratulations. And then they come in like the next thing and they're like, that ice is actually a sex pest. Like, <laughs> what, like what do you even say? It's just like well, so simply good. Like, I, I don't know, know. But I'm being naive, but. but that's I was going to say you're being very, very sweet and naive. The very the sheer fact that this man has a traveling crew of assholes who are yelling at him and asking him what crimes he's, he's committed and trying to get to every restaurant that he's been at in his home and, and interrupt his wife at work is just they're like they don't want to fucking deal with that yeah and so they're true. like we we like money and we couldn't give less of a fuck about human lives so n- no thanks this sounds like too much trouble you know because they're assholes yeah dirty ice is good <laughs> enough for us yeah fuck it who cares <laughs> um, and the attempt to ruin his life his his everything extends to the internet if you just google his name like the first thing that will come up is a Scientology made hate site that's like oh he's an evil man bent on ruining other people and ruining the church and it really sucks and like I wish that <laughs> I really wish that this had like a nice ending and it just really doesn't essentially what they are calling for at the end of the episode and what I guess you know, this is would, would be the sort of hopeful turnaround in a way is that it needs exposure because this is an invention that is really needed like this is an invention that could save lives and mm-hmm. basic pressure need to be put on the companies that have the wherewithal to use this technology to essentially be bigger than the church of scientology which is you know which means that this fair game shit would start happening to you some company had to have some kind of shred of decency to step forward and do it but that's probably a pie in the sky idea but um Oof. i just i know i just started i started watching leah Remini's show and this mm-hmm. particular interview just really struck me of like it goes so far beyond just like celebrities being inconvenienced you know mm-hmm. oh absolutely well just to see what you're talking about I, I did google Mike Rinder and I've never googled like anything remotely related to any of these things before yeah, uh, yeah. and yeah it's uh it's wikipedia Mike Rinder Mike Rinder's blog.org and then who is Mike Rinder.com Mike Rinder colon vicious wife beater who peddles hate on A&E uh-huh mm-hmm. fucking insane yeah. yes and there are people employed at the Church of Scientology to do that. There's a story in that show of a lady who was a personal assistant to Shelley Miscavige for a long time. Who's the leader David Miscavige's wife. Yeah, possibly RIP question mark. Hasn't yeah. been seen in public for many years. This lady who was her assistant went on to work at the creepy Scientology production company that they have where they make weird movies about their beliefs and after she had figured out what was going on and and had seen all the violence and how mistreated people had been which was essentially talked about as just absolute humiliation like humiliating adults by giving them name tags that say like piece of shit and making them walk around like just weird 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 absolute culty bizarre business stuff one day she jumped in the trunk of an actor who was on set who was just who was a Hollywood actor who they would pay to be in this thing and was driving back to LA she jumped in his trunk and shut the door and just rode for hours and hours back to LA and when he stopped for gas popped out and explained that she was trying to escape but like had to had to go through security checkpoints and stuff where they were like searching the car for her oh my god she got out and now has like protection and a normal life quote like kind of but 
had lived had lived her entire life within like up until her like early 30s in the church of scientology oh this might mean a pi gets stationed outside of my house but uh (laughs) fuck it (laughs) you're like my hot take is i think there might be something wrong with those scientology guys i'm so sad for robert armbland he's an incredible inventor and his whole life and his whole career has been taken down by this persistent bullshit because they don't stop they have so much money because of their tax exempt status that they can spend tens of thousands if not millions of dollars on private investigators that go through your trash that interview your neighbors that go to your place of work that contact your family members it never ever stops and that's what they're spending people's money on that's what they're spending their donations into the church on and this is you know this is just one case of this this is happening i don't know how many hundreds of times to any individual who ever speaks out against anything against the church or mildly inconveniences them it's really fucked up that essentially they just bullied the american government into giving them tax exempt status it's fucking wild and that's my that's my topic oh there's a lot going on here (laughs) uh there's a lot going on here so i'm glad that i took i took uh point notes this time oh so look at us my first i know i'm really proud of us well i was inspired by uh the bookkeeping you did earlier so earlier today Thank you so, much. so i was like i'm gonna return in kind oh my sweet. first one says minus two points for and i think it's supposed to be gross but it did autocorrect grace uh so gross slash grace <laughs> oh, which was like thinking about like toilet ice i did not like but yeah i am gonna give you back a full seven points Whoa. for annoying the irs which again uh despite <laughs> it ultimately being a really bad thing yeah is the funniest thing i have ever imagined in my life uh <laughs> i also am going to give you three points for your masterful um interpolation of putting the title back in Thanks. it was very Thank just like so seamlessly woven in Thank uh, you. also the irs thing reminded me of this John Mulaney sketch I like when he talks about how we finally got weed legalized because we just wanted it so bad for so long and we were so annoying about it that finally like the, like nothing really changed about weed or about like the drug policy at large but finally just like certain states were like fine like you can just fine. have it if you want it this bad <laughs> like so I'm gonna give you four points for making me think of John Mulaney uh, and then I'm gonna give you another two points because I hope John Mulaney's doing okay I heard he's out of yeah. rehab and he's starting to do some shows in New York they're only in New York and apparently you have to put your phone in one of those weird magnet pouches so that you can't record anything he says Uh, but I look forward to reading some hot takes about it on Twitter in a few months Uh, so I hope he's doing okay I'm going to give you two points for that Um, I am taking away another point for sicking Scientology on us I think that uh, it's (laughs) going to be a bad time Uh, (laughs) but you did what you had to do you did what you had to do this is the awareness yeah 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 and then you know what I'm going to give you uh, 10 points right at the end of Rounded Out because I think Mm. you were very brave to have a sad ending with no real like (laughs) no no real hope in sight you were like yeah it really sucks this guy's uh, life's been ruined and And that's my topic and it's bad there is no clean ice not yet yeah no clean ice anyway Um, have a good night thank you so much (laughs) this has been our podcast so that was great take take that to the bank have a great Monday (laughs) yeah 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 so that's gonna Um, be a a beautiful 26 minus 3 which is 23 points uh, that puts us on Chelsea leading out with 178 and me on 173 there's still so much time oof neck and neck it is Q2 Um, that was so fun Chelsea where can people find you people can find me at Chelsea Harfouche literally wherever internet 
pets are sold, except Neopets. I'm not on there. You don't ask me for any UC pets. I don't have any. And don't look for me. Don't do it. Don't do no. it, folks. You can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Maney on Twitter. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, not Facebook because I can't use that. And uh, I think that's it. And you can find our website at those two girls. Whoa. Yes, those two girls.club and send us a message if you want us to say anything on the podcast. And if you want to join our Patreon, that would be so awesome. Or take a picture of you listening to this and send it to us on social and tag us in it and we can reply to you. And that really helps us get seen or or give us a review in iTunes. All of those things are really helpful. We love you so much. And I don't know, this week, maybe go learn something. Hey, Elle. Yeah? I need you to keep it loose. Oh. Keep it tight like this recording was. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now look at us. And say your prayers tonight. I will. And I love you. Oh, I love you too. And that's our podcast.